0: About to share with you one of the most profound truths you've ever heard from this platform. Are you ready for it? Yes, we're ready. We has, yes, we're ready. We're ready. One day, we're going to die. All right, so maybe you already knew that one. <laughs> but here's the thing it appears death is the great human enemy, right? Uh, We construct much of our life to avoid it, to delay it, to deny it. And why is that? Why do we all know that one day we're going to die, but at the same time do almost everything we can to ignore ignore this truth? Why do we do that? I think there's a reason we try to avoid death, but I also think we have a way to deal with this issue in our lives. God's Word helps us find the answer. So if you have your Bibles... Hey, I hope you've got God's Word with you. You know, we used to have those underneath the pews, so if you're here today and you don't have one, it's okay. Uh, But we do encourage you, bring your Bible. We want you to have that. Of course, not just today, but every day. Uh, I do like to periodically remind, um, of course, those in the room, but those online or overflow rooms. uh, The notes for today's message, you can always find them on an app called YouVersion. It's a Bible app. So if you have that, maybe I hope you do, I, I don't know. If you have the YouVersion app... Where you go is if you click on that and go to the button that says More, and then you look for Events, you'll see Connection Point Church there. So i just like to remind people, you know, if, if, you're, if you like to get notes, and especially in digital form, especially if you're online, that's a great place to look, and then you can save it and always have that. So I just, I like to remind people that's a good place to find notes. Um, but I would also like to invite you to stand uh, for the reading of God's Word. I invite you to stand this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 3. You know, every message is, is different in the way that those... Uh, the Lord kind of impresses those on my heart. And so last week, like we were walking through a number of scriptures, I didn't have you stand for one and Shelley felt off all, all morning. So if you felt off all day, I'm sorry, you know, I bring you back to that today. So, okay, we're standing for the reading of God's word. Hey, we're going to be John chapter three, taking a look at a passage you, you may be familiar with and starting in verse one, it says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So we've been working through this Better Together series, establishing who we are as the people of God. That's really the whole point of the series. We need to know who we are as a people of God. And here's the thing, God gives us each other to walk through hard times together, and God gives us each other so that we can reach the world together. No one of us gets to do that alone. We, we've gotta do these things collectively. We get through hard times together, we reach the world together, and so what we need to understand in this Better Together series, what we've been going after is that we truly are better together, but we need to know who we are in order to be together. And so we've been walking through week by week topics to help us more firmly identify how we operate out of our identity as children of God, the people of God. And here's what we've established. We have a king, King Jesus. He's a good king. And we live in a kingdom, a kingdom that's not of this world. God's word is our guide. So it's not like we're lost and just kind of, of, you know, blind guides leading blind guides. It's not that way. No, we've got a guide. God's word is our guide. And And it guides us to this place of knowing we've got a mission to fulfill. We've got good works to enter into. And what we find is this mission requires endurance. If you're familiar with scripture, you would know that the Apostle Paul writes about this mission. He compares it to a race, like an Olympic race. He compares it to fighting a good fight, you know? So these are all these metaphors of this mission requires endurance. And what we have found, what we've already covered, is endurance comes through things like living well in community, giving, Singing, praying, fasting, resting. So we've got all these active things we can do which helps us to endure. But what we've also covered is that we have to have the right mindsets. Mindsets matter. And so we've been covering mindsets about suffering and God's will and time. Those those are important ones. And so last week we talked about Jesus and time. And we found that there are times of testing, times of preparation, and times of fulfillment. Some distinct times in our lives as we follow Jesus, and those can be cyclical in nature and, and in terms of what we face. And, but here's what we discovered is as we journey with Jesus, what happens according to time is that there is God's will, there is God's way, and there's God's time. And it helps us to understand the difference between those things as we journey with Jesus. And so in the message as we talked about the will of God, that there is God's will, we found there's three important ways of finding it in three stages we move through in fulfilling God's will. Three ways that you find God's will. The first is Scripture. It's declared. We know it. And then we can operate in it. But then we also have things in life that we can take from Scripture, extrapolate from it, and apply it to that maybe it's not explicitly stated. So that's stage two. And, and stage three is once you've immersed yourself so much with Jesus, you abide in Him, then in everything that you do in life, it's Him that comes out. Those are the three stages and, that we can operate in. But then the we, week before that, we talked about uh, Jesus and suffering. We found that suffering is an important part of following Jesus because it removes our false self so that our true self can emerge. We've got, you know, because of the world in which we live, these things that latch onto us that we've got to shed so that who we are in Christ can emerge. Suffering helps us with that. And here's the thing, our views, our mindsets regarding these things, suffering, God's will, time, it all makes a really big difference in the way that we live our lives and the way that we follow Jesus, Our mindsets connected to these topics really do determine whether we can follow Jesus for a lifetime. And that's God's will for you, that you follow him for a lifetime. He's with us as we do it. And so that's why it's important we talk about these things. And now today, we're going to address the last important mindset. So there's four, and it relates to Jesus and death. Because how we view death determines how we follow Jesus. And as we look at Scripture, the first thing we find regarding death is this. We must Face death to experience life. We've got to face death to experience life. If you haven't seen the TV series, The Chosen, I would love to recommend that you watch it. It really is great. It's a wonderful depiction of Jesus and the disciples. There's an app where you can actually watch the episodes for free. You can buy the, the DVD series. But I mention it here because one of my favorite scenes is when Jesus is talking with Nicodemus, basically in the passage that we were in this morning. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The way to life in the kingdom of God is through death. In order to be born again, we must die. But then it begs the question, We'll die to what? That, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And the passage we read, it alludes to it. It's a death to self, that our flesh must die. So then the question is, well, how do we die to the flesh in order that we might be born of the Spirit? Because this is what Jesus says. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. And the answer is found all the way back in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1. And here's what we see. We must go back to the beginning so that we can endure to the end. We need to understand the beginning so then we can traverse all the way to the end with Jesus. In Genesis chapter 1, we find that what we were created for, God's intent for us. This is really, really important this morning. You look at verse 27. This is right away. Chapter 1, Genesis. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. You were made in the image of God. You, no matter what's been spoken over your life, you have been made in the image of God. And here's what he says this is the command, the very first command. This is God's intent for your life be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea. And all, God, all the fishermen in the room said, amen. Have dominion over those fish. Over the birds of the heavens, all our hunters said, amen. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. Of course, he's talking a lot more than about hunting and fishing. Be fruitful, and multiply, and have dominion. This is God's design for us. This is God's plan for our lives, that we would be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. Another way of saying this would be to say that we have been created for intimacy and influence. That's God's design for your life, one of intimacy and influence. Think about this. How were Adam and Eve going to be fruitful and multiply? They we're going to have kids. I think that's pretty intimate, Right? like, Pastor, what is he talking about this morning? It's all right. It is. We were designed for intimacy, which leads to fruitfulness and multiplication. We were made for that. And we were also made to have influence, too. This is what God calls dominion. So you were made for intimacy and influence, but then what happens? Our enemy, in the form of a serpent, he comes and he destroys the life God intended us to live. And now, because of the effects of evil in our world, and can I say in our own hearts, We settle for sex and power as ways of trying to find the intimacy and influence we lost. That's what we do. This is why pornography is the biggest industry in our world today. This is why we have wars and conflicts. Like you look at the history of the world, it's a history of war and conflicts. Why? Because we seek power, but we do it in in evil ways. We have this insatiable desire to regain what we lost in the Garden of Eden. Our God-given desire for intimacy and influence has turned towards serving ourselves instead of God and others. That's what's happened. So then the question is, well, great. Now we know the problem. What are we supposed to do about it, right? Well, we can follow in the footsteps of Jesus, the one who lived with perfect intimacy and influence, sacrificing himself to serve God and us. Let's insert ourselves there today. Jesus faced death, but he experienced resurrection And then what does he do? He sends his spirit so that we can do that too. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says that we can be born of the spirit. And what the spirit does is he develops fruit in us that restores intimacy, God's original design. Jesus fully restores what we lost in the garden. We don't have to do it ourselves and make our own way. Jesus helps us be fruitful. Once again, look at this list. Genesis, or this is now Galatians chapter 5. Paul writes about what Jesus does for us. But I say, so Paul's writing the church in Galatia, walk by the Spirit. Again, this is what it means to be born of the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Do you see this now? This is what Jesus is talking about, flesh and spirit. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit because they're selfish. They don't serve God and others, they serve yourself. And here's the list that Paul writes. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So isn't this interesting? Like we have this war within us. We know what the spirit has birthed in us, but there's this war that happens because of the, what the enemy took from us, this enemy and influence. We want it. We want it of the spirit, but then we pursue it in the flesh. And here's what it looks like. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. All of these serve ourselves, not God and others, our original intent. But then here's what he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom. So Jesus says, if you're born of the spirit, you inherit the kingdom. If you do engage in the works of the flesh, you don't. But here's what the fruit of the spirit, this is what the spirit births in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's not against the law to love, right? And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This section of Scripture Galatians, it unpacks what Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus at night. The flesh and the spirit. This is what he's referring to. So Jesus, what does he do? He ascends. He sends us his spirit to help us die to our flesh and live a fully alive life. Okay, I don't know about you, but I think that's an awesome invitation from our Savior. That's what he did. You see, intimacy is lost. Look, look at this list for the Spirit. If you don't have love, if you don't have patience, if you don't have kindness, I would imagine the relationships in your life are probably strained, right? You see, the lack of these qualities is the lack of intimacy in your life. But the growth of these character qualities is the growth of intimacy in your life. I don't know about you, but if you've got someone in your life, a friend, a family member, who's loving, who's joyful, who's patient, who's good, who's gentle, I want to be around that person, right? So intimacy grows when these qualities are exhibited. And guess what? You can't do that on your own. But good news is, Jesus sent his spirit to empower you to do it, to live out these qualities. So this is how Jesus restores intimacy. He builds these qualities in us so that our relationships can be good. But now what about influence? We find that Jesus restores our influence. Again, Jesus is bringing us back to our original design. And he does it by his spirit. So both of these by his spirit to develop fruit, but the other one develops our gifts, which leads to influence. Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter four. God has given each one of us, God has given each one of you, Put yourself in there this morning. God has given Mick Dalton. God has given Robert. God has given Steve. God, put yourself in it. God has given each one of us a special gift, not just a gift, a special gift. I don't know, I could run a long way with that. I'm thinking of funny. So I need to let you know my mind wanders, even when I'm talking, and I'm thinking about what would be a dumb gift. And then I think about, what could be a special gift, right? Anyway, sorry. Jesus is filling the entire universe with himself right now. That's what we're doing when we engage in the mission. We are filling up the world with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but if you want to have an answer for the world's problems, I think that's it. Fill up the world with Jesus, things will go right. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Here's the special gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, if you haven't been a part of our, our congregation for a while, there's an understanding, I've already preached through this, that these gifts are not just for church leaders. These gifts are for all of us. You have within any some of you have the gift of evangelism. Some of you have the gift of pastoring, of teaching, of apostolic and prophetic functions, and it's incumbent upon you to figure out what those are because God gave them to you in order to restore your influence. So part of what Jesus did through his death and resurrection is he actually took back what the enemy stole from us, like we sing about that. This is that. In the Garden of Eden, the enemy stole our intimacy and influence. And so Jesus comes and says, by the way, that's not yours. Those are mine to give to my people. And that's what he did. I love that picture. He restores our God-given influence through spiritual gifts. And there's other gifts as well. You look at Scripture, gifts of... Wisdom and knowledge and discernment and leadership and administration and hospitality, there's lots of gifts that the Lord gives. And as we discover and use our spiritual gifts, our God-given influence is restored. That's what happens. Jesus sent us his spirit to restore our original divine design of intimacy and influence. That's what he did. But now here's the question, okay? So it's like I'm walking through this, and, and you probably still have questions like, okay, great, but... How do we do that? How do we increase our intimacy? How do we increase our influence? How does God do that in us? Let me say this, it doesn't happen just by showing up to a church building on a Sunday morning, singing a few songs, listening to a message, and going about your week. It doesn't happen. For Jesus to restore the intimacy and influence that we've lost, it's important we engage environments where those things can develop and grow. There's a divine partnership between God and us. In Philippians, Scripture tells us that we work out our own salvation, and while we're working that out, the Holy Spirit's working it in us. So there's this divine partnership that we engage in. It's not all God, it's not all us, but there's this partnership that happens to make it work out. Consider how intimacy is restored. It's restored as the fruit of the Spirit matures in our life. It's restored as the Spirit develops character. But what kind of environment is necessary for fruit to mature? And I ask this question because I've met a lot of people who claim to know Jesus who don't necessarily exhibit great fruit. Let's not talk about others. Let's talk about me. I know myself. And there are times I'm not exhibiting a lot of patience. So then I have to ask myself, well, Jesus, how can you develop that better? Let's just do kind of a self-evaluation this morning. Take a minute, rate yourself. Scale from one to ten. How loving are you? Scale from one to 10, how kind are you? One to 10, how patient. I love patience. It's like everybody knows I'm a two in that one, buddy. (laughs) So rate yourself and then average it out. Average it out. Where do you wind up? Five? A six overall out of 10? All right, save that number. So that's your character. Now let's take a look at your influence. Your influence comes from your spiritual gifts, what we would call our our calling. First question is, do you even know what spiritual gifts you have? If you don't know them, how can you be living in them? If you don't know what they are, I I would think that we can't really score ourselves higher than a two out of ten. And if you know what they are, but you're not doing anything with them, could it be much higher? So, so rate yourself, and now take these two numbers. So out of 10, so at 10 times 10, easy math this morning, what is it? You are a smart crowd. 100, I hope online audience, you got that today. 10 times, so multiply. Okay, you realize, okay, maybe I'm a six in character, and maybe I do know my gifts and somewhat use them, I'm a five. Okay, well, that's still a 30 out of 100. But let's be honest this morning. If we really evaluate ourselves i think most of us would realize we're a 30 out of 100 but we just don't know what to do about it so i would say let's do something about it because we can let's create environments where these things can grow we actually started to look at that last week if you were here on, in the in the service or if you were engaging online as we stood i ended with the question of based on what you heard today on jesus and time what are you going to do with that What we need to understand this morning is the way that character grows is through the application of scripture not just the hearing this is actually in scripture let's not just be hearers of the word but doers our good savior is leading us well he knows what it takes for transformation to occur for us to go back to our original design to increase intimacy and influence so that we step into the fully alive life we're offered in jesus So it's when you start actually doing. So then the question is, based on what the Holy Spirit spoke to you. I talked with a couple of people at the end of the service, and and at least one of them said, I really feel like I'm in this time of waiting, but I haven't been actively waiting. So I feel like I need to actively wait and start reading Scripture daily. So then the question is, did you do it? Because if you do what the Spirit speaks to your heart, guess what? That's how your character grows. And then you're no longer a six, you're a seven. And then all of a sudden, by the next year, you're an eight. And it keeps increasing but let me say this it doesn't happen overnight it's a long-term endeavor so you grow it how by putting yourself in an environment where you actually respond to the scripture that you're reading or hearing applying it to your life living it out and now your character is growing a couple of other things that that we've looked at so life group leaders if you're in a life group right now we always give out discussion questions which are meant to be a menu not a recipe by the way which is that you pick the questions that work for you One of the questions in there that we've had since we launched Life Groups last fall is in response to this week's message, because there are discussion questions around the message, I will, and I would say this, that is probably the most important question that you should ask your folks every week. So Life Group leaders, I challenge you to ask that question because if you then respond to the message and then you come back the next week, the second most important question is, did you do what you said you were gonna do? As we create an environment, you know, we, we think accountability kind of has a bad word, but can I say this? If we're just being held accountable to step into the fully alive life Jesus offers, isn't that a good thing? That's a good thing. So don't be afraid of being asked the question, number one, of responding, and then number two, walking it out. Because as you do that, you're stepping into the life that God has for you. Back to your original design. Another thing, another way that you not only increase then your intimacy, your character, but you go after your calling as you you serve. You got to start doing something. You can't know what your gifts are until you're doing something. And then as you step into environments, here's what you try to figure out. Am I fruitful in this role? And am I fulfilled in this role? Am I fruitful serving on the production team? Am I fulfilled in serving on the production team? You got to do something. So our serve teams, those are great places to start figuring out what your spiritual gifts are. You've been invited. Here's the statement. You've been invited to live a fully alive life with Jesus as you work out your salvation according to what the Holy Spirit is already doing in you. And that's the gift. You don't have to do it on your own. In fact, if you're trying to do it on your own and saying, I'm going to develop love and joy and... mm," Okay, fruit's not going to come out. Something else is, right? I'll let you figure out what that is. Lord help us. Pastor's talking about sex and poop today. What is going on? <laughs> That'll be a good lunchtime conversation. What'd you talk about today? Sex and poop, I don't know. I'm sorry, please don't put me in trouble later. Look at, she's telling me I got to shut up now. <laughs> ah, filter the pastor. But here's, here's a good illustration of that. What happens, think about a Nerf ball. And, and we try to just do behavior modification. And we're like shrunk down this little ball. But what, does, what eventually happens? It like pops out, right? Because we should never have engaged in behavior modification. Jesus gave us his spirit as we put ourselves in environments where we're actually held accountable to grow in love and peace and patience. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's a day-by-day endeavor. And I would say week by week. So if you just had one I will statement in a week, this week, I will. What kind of difference would that make in your life 52 weeks from now? Yeah. Just engage in one and watch what God does. So I would ask, are you in a life group? Because really probably the best two environments right now that we have for these two things to grow is life groups and serve teams. Are you in a life group? Although we may ask the question on a Sunday morning environment. Are you really gonna follow up with the person that you talked with on a Sunday morning? Maybe you will, and that's great if you'll do that. But what I have found is my defaults, I'm just gonna say me. I'm not probably gonna seek that person out. But if I'm in a life group that's asking me that every couple weeks, did you do what you said you were gonna do? I'm gonna be much more committed to doing that. So I would say this, if you're not in a life group today, if you're not in a life group right now, go online at connectionpointchurch.org. We've got life groups available. We've tried to make sure we always have life groups available. You can sign up so that you can be in an environment where your character can start to grow. Second thing, you need to know what your calling is. God has prepared you. I, I love, we were talking this morning, we were praying, and this is what Miranda was talking about with the word adore. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that you are God's workmanship, it says in the ESV. I love the New Living Translation, though. You are God's masterpiece. And I just don't know that we believe that. And I think that's part of the problem. You are God's masterpiece. Why wouldn't we not want to accept the invitation of the one who's created you to step into your masterpiece life instead of chasing the small lives that we create for ourselves? You are a masterpiece, Paul writes. A masterpiece, and here's what it says, and when you look at that verse, a masterpiece in Christ Jesus. So it's not on your own, but as you're in Christ Jesus, Created for good works. He's created you for good works that He prepared from long ago. Like you were born at the exact moment you were born because the good works that He prepared were ready for you now. But the question is, are you ready for them? So if you don't know your calling, if you don't know your gifts, start serving somewhere. If you want to serve in the local church, that's great. You can go to connectionpointchurch.org. We've got lots of serve teams available. But if you want to serve in the local community, lots of great places there too. And we actually have that online on our website. It says, help our community with LUM, Lafayette Urban Ministry, Trinity, Matrix. There's lots of ways to serve our community. And as you begin serving, as you begin getting into an environment where your intimacy and influence, your character and calling can grow, watch as you start to live the fully alive life that Jesus has for you. That's the promise. To make it to the end, we must go back to the beginning where we find we were made for intimacy and influence, which are restored through our character and calling. And once we begin to develop our character and calling, we begin to live fully alive. So that's the invitation of Jesus, live a fully alive life. And so then the third point, the last one we'll end on is we must live a fully alive life to be ready to die. This is how we come back to the the question of Jesus and death, that we've got to live a fully alive life to be ready to die. If you are afraid of death, if you've constructed much of your life in such a way to avoid it, to delay it, or to deny deny it, this might be because you have not yet fully lived. I think that's the problem. I think the symptom is a fear of death, but I think the problem is we haven't yet fully lived. So then we're afraid to die. We find in, in this verse later in John, Jesus declares the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And that's what he did at the Garden of Eden. But Jesus came to give us life abundant, life fully alive. That's what he came for. And our enemy, the devil, he comes to steal the life God offers us in Genesis chapter 1. He stole it from Adam and Eve, and he's stealing it still. But that's not God's intent, because Jesus invites us to live fully alive, a life of love In meaning, a life of character and calling, one of intimacy and influence. That's the invitation of Jesus, that you can live a conscious, awake, and alert life. So instead of avoiding our death to self or raging at it, we must go through death, a death of our false self, our old self, our small life, and then come out on the other side knowing death can't touch us because Jesus already conquered it. The way to become confident that our second death can do us no harm is by facing our first death, our death to self, so we can be reborn and enter into the life that we're offered in Jesus, a death to our flesh so that we engage in life in the spirit. So let me ask, do you fear death because you have yet to fully live? We've got to die in order to live and no longer fear death. We must live a fully alive life to be ready to die in order to not to fear it. So one of my favorite bad examples of how to give counsel to someone, so notice I said this is a bad example, is from the Bob Newhart show. Anybody remember Bob Newhart? That honestly kind of predates me a little bit, but I've still seen it. So Bob Newhart, he's, he's got this uh, funny sketch. Um, you can look it up later if you want. Don't look it up right now, please. Let us wrap up the service. Go look at it during lunch. You'll laugh about it. So he, he basically is in a counseling office, and this gal comes in and, and, and basically says, you know, I'm, I'm here for counseling, and, and Bob Newhart says, that's great. He kind of gives the parameters, you know, wants you to know that I charge $5 for the first five minutes and nothing after that. She's like, that's amazing. He said, well, because what I found is I really only need about five minutes. She's like, okay, okay. So she begins to explain that she's got this fear of being buried in a box alive. He's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's concerning. And, and she kind of expresses some more of those things. And, and after he's heard her for a little bit, then, then he says, okay, I've got, I've got two words for you. Are you ready for it? And she's like, yeah. She's like getting out a notebook and yeah, should I write this down? And he's like, well, I found, you know, it's, it's two words and, and most people are pretty good to remember them. So I, I don't think you really need to write it down. So are, are you ready? She's like, yes, I'm ready to, to not have this fear anymore. And so Bob Newhart says, okay, stop it. Just stop it. Terrible counseling advice. (laughs) That doesn't work that way. (laughs) Thinking about the message this morning on Jesus and death, it does me no good to say, just stop fearing death. It does me no good because I know that's a symptom. It's not the problem. The solution is you entering into the fully alive life that you're offered. And the invitation is given by Jesus. We will do our part, let me say this, as church leaders, we'll do our part to create the environments where character and calling can grow so that you can make the impact in your life that God intends. But it's now your job to enter into those spaces and say, I'm in. I want to go back to the purpose that God designed me for. The simple solution for those this morning is life groups and volunteer teams. There's other ways that you can find that, find a group of people that you can be held accountable to to actually live out scripture. But I just, I want you to enter into those spaces And what I want to do in closing is just read two passages. The first comes from Romans chapter 6. And here's what Paul writes. I want us to consider these things as we close. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So may we not fear death. And Let me talk about our death to self as we stop feeding the works of the flesh. May we not be afraid of that because resurrection comes. So let's die to those things. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And that's the promise. Jesus offers life and life abundant. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. That's the invitation. We don't do it on our own. We do it by his spirit, but we do it in community. That's the way it's meant to be. And then the second passage, let's look at Revelation chapter 21. We started in Genesis 1 at the beginning where we were given this promise of who we were, people of intimacy and influence, our God's calling on our life. And here's where we end up, Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And Listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The former things of the flesh. It's finally gone. And he was seated on the throne and said, behold, I'm making all things new. All things new. And he also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end. To the thirsty, I will give them from the spring of water a life without payment. Without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God. He will be my son, he says here, but I will be his people. The one who conquers. So here's it is. And it's not that we conquer on our own, we're not that Nerf ball crunched up. Nope. We conquer by saying, I'm going to walk this out that you've imparted upon me, and by your spirit, I'm doing it. So here's the crazy thing. Like, he gives us the equipment to conquer, but we still have to do it. We've got to walk it out. But then he talks and addresses those who don't conquer, who still continue to feed the flesh. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolatries, and all the liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is a second death. And it's not because that's what he wants for them. It's what they chose. So what do you choose today? Do you choose the way of life? Or do you choose the way of death? That's the invitation of Jesus. We're going to one day return to the garden and be completely new. So we get to work toward newness now, but we will be completely new. And we can increase in God's intent for our life of intimacy and influence from now. And that's what he intends for us to do, to conquer. But Jesus gives us the ability to do it by his spirit. We're never left alone. So I encourage you to step into that life today. You've already been told how to do it. The question is, will you? Let me ask this question as the music team's gonna come and we're gonna close. What's your I will statement for today? In response to this message, I will sign up for a life group. Real simple, because I wanna grow my character. Sign up for a serve team, why? Because I wanna do something to figure out my calling. Those are simple applications today, but what is the Spirit speaking to you? Because my invitation, the invitation of Jesus is, Enter into your fully alive life. That's what you're offered today. I invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. As you're standing, I want to ask, have you accepted the invitation of Jesus? Look, you can't live fully alive if you don't have Jesus. So that's the starting point. So are you here today and you realize you've not entered into the fully alive life offered in Jesus, but today you want to do something about that. Because right now you can decide, I want the life that Jesus came to bring me, and by His Spirit can do it. If that's you today, this is your moment. If every head bowed in the room, I just want to give you a space to say yes to Jesus and His invitation for you to live a fully alive life today. If you're online right now, you can type that in the chat to say, I'm responding to that today. You can go online at connectionpointchurch.org and in the prayer request, just say, I'm responded and and I want to know where I go from here, because here's the thing, as I pointed out in the message today, this is never a singular decision, or I, you might make it alone, but you can't grow in your character by yourself. You got others that have to journey with you, and so we want to give you information on where you go from here. But if that's you today to say, I, I want to accept the invitation of Jesus to live that fully alive life, and it starts with me saying yes to him, just raise your hand, and let me pray with you before we leave. Who here today it says that's me over here on the right? Anybody else? Who else today? Would say that's me. I want to accept that invitation today. Second invitation: You know, look at me for a moment. If today, maybe you've been in in a church environment for twenty years but today the holy spirit said and you have never stepped into the fully alive life i've offered you but today you want to commit yourself to that to say you know what i'm going to do what it takes if that's a life group i'll do that if that's a serve team i'll do that you need to make a commitment to that today don't live in the small life that this world offers live in the masterpiece life that jesus invites us to so if that's you today again heads bowed it's just a moment between you and god and i'll pray with you as we depart If you would say, you know, I've accepted the invitation to follow Jesus, but I've never really walked in the fully alive life that he offered me. And if that's you today, just raise your hand, and I'm going to pray with you as well before we go. Who here today would say that's me? Over here on the right. Who else? Over here on the left. Who else? Who else is missing that fully alive life that we're offered? Jesus, I just thank you for the invitation that you give. God, I thank you you sent your son. If we were to keep reading in John chapter 3 where Jesus is talking with Nicodemus, it's in that same passage that Jesus says, for God so loved the world. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him, they'll never perish but have eternal life. And that's the thing, we're preparing for eternity right now. And so, Jesus, I just thank you for the one and maybe others who responded today. Maybe there was those online that responded. I just pray, Jesus, that you would impart upon them your spirit. We, we thank you, God, that upon that moment of decision, your spirit is granted and given to begin developing the fruit of the spirit in our life, that we can grow in our character, return to intimacy that you have made us for. God, I pray for others that are here that, that have recognized they've not really been living the fully alive life that they're offered in you. And so, God, I just pray That they would commit themselves to you. That they'd commit themselves to this community. They'd commit themselves to to serving and being held accountable in the right environment to grow in character, to identify and develop their calling so that they can live out that fully alive life. Because Lord, I know that it's in that solution we're not afraid of death. Because we can fully live in you, then we're never afraid of death to come because we know death can't touch us. Because we know, Jesus, you conquered death. You destroyed sin, death, and the devil. So God, we rejoice in that today. We're going to sing about it in a moment. And so God, I just pray that if there are those struggling with the fear of death, that Jesus, you'd remove that fear as they enter into the fully alive life that you've offered us. We trust you for that work, God. We believe you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.